Welcome to episode four of the Wiz With podcast. Here with your host Matt Morello, with my co-host Alex Marmelstein. Alex, how we doing? Doing all right. It's been a hell of a couple of weeks, and not necessarily for a good reason. That's not sure. good at all. Uh, since we have been away, Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card round. Not what we expected. We honestly didn't expect what happened in the game to go to honor down either. I don't think anyone did. Um, the biggest story that came out of this game, obviously, was Carson Wentz being knocked out in the first quarter by a cheap shot. Yes, I'll say cheap shot by Jadavion Clowney, who, by the way, was not fined for the hit. Uh, Carson Wentz left the game with a concussion. Our backup quarterback, normally in the playoffs, backup quarterbacks do well. But Josh McCown, who also came in to replace Wentz, was hurt with a torn hamstring. We didn't know this at the time. We knew it after the game completely tore his hamstring off the bone that pretty much led to the reason why he was sacked a few times probably could have gotten away had he been healthy nonetheless Eagles lost the game 17 to 9 uh I just think I actually went to the game and the moment I saw Carson Wentz walk to the locker room you could just feel the energy being ripped out of the stadium the defense still tried to pick it up I thought the defense actually played pretty well um you know considering their starting quarterback was not in there you know to get the offense going um you know what Alex I'm, uh, you know, it it was a disappointing season, but the way it ended and the way Carson Wentz, you know, fought back those and you know the last five weeks of the season, I'm pretty happy with his play. I'm happy with the play of Miles Sanders, and you know, looking forward to to Eagles football. <laughs> yeah, it's just the problem that I have is this one really hurt. And I never thought that we would be able to see a pain like Alshon Jeffrey missing the catch to potentially move on to the next round. But this one may have hurt a little more. I mean, we first off, we had pre, in our previous episode had declared Carson Wentz the winner over D- Dak Prescott. Vict- victory in total. Now we're starting to get this BS about in being injury prone, Matt, would you call yourself injury prone if I took a club and beat you over the head with it? I guess according to Jacina Anderson and Max Kellerman and all those guys Tory on Holt. Twitter, Tory Holt. I mean, yeah, apparently um, anyone who gets concussion in the game of football um, is injury prone. I mean, we, we've seen you know Andrew Luck, now Luke Keekley yesterday, um, Calvin Johnson. Uh, Patrick Willis, all these guys are retiring early because of the concussion and, you know, the effects that's, that, you know, it can bring with CTE. And now when Carson Wentz gets hit with a cheap shot, all of a sudden, you know, he's injury prone. It does, doesn't make any He's only missed eight out no. of 64 games in his entire career. You know, which is crazy when you think about it. I mean, now, granted, he has missed, um, he had missed like, the first couple of playoffs, but you know what he did? He kept himself healthy. He he fights through a lot of these injuries. He doesn't go down. It's not like when you were watching Embiid in his rookie season. Once he goes down, you're not sure if he, he's going to come back up. He always gets back up. He always plays aggressive. It's just, this was just, I would say, bad luck on the Eagles' part. And it's just bad sportsmanship on Jadavion Clowney. Um. He knows what he did. That's the worst part about yeah, it. Yeah, I think, I think he knew, he knew he right away. And I think Pete Carroll had some type of bounty on him. I, you know, I, no one, there's no, 
you know, I don't have any reason to think that he, he did, or, you know, uh, and, uh, it's just an assumption. I, I, for some reason, I just think Pete Carroll's a dirty guy, dirty coach. And he just seems to be like, you know, Hey, co- you know, Jaden, go and go and get Wentz. Just, you know, they, they have no shot if Wentz is out of the game, clearly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we really did for a time. I think, I think a big problem that, that I had was it just looked like Doug Peterson had no faith in McCown as his backup. If you, I don't know if you saw it, just seemed like there were a lot of running plays and five yard or less passes. Like those were the type of plays that were being called. It wasn't until the fourth quarter where you actually saw maybe like other than a couple isolated throws, you actually saw Josh McCown throwing the ball deep. And that's because we had to, because we were running out of time. I, I really think Dougie P did not do a great job with play calling by sh- and showing any faith in his backup whatsoever. I just think the issue is there is that the playbook is limited with Josh McCown compared to Carson Wentz. So it seemed to me like Seattle was kind of stacking the box and they were kind of defending the run more so than they had when Carson was in there. And that's because they're going to force Josh McCown to throw the ball because frankly, he's 40 years old and he hasn't played all season. So if you want to, if you're the, if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you're going to say if Josh, Josh McCown beats us, you know, so be it. But they're not going to let, um, you know, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, they're not going to let those guys who have been playing very well up to this point beat them. So I think that that's what their game plan was and maybe why, you know, Doug, it's not easy kind of, you know, game planning for Wentz the whole week and then all of a sudden, hey, here's Josh McCown. So it's not something Doug obviously would ever expect. Um, and then I don't think they expected Josh McCown to also have a torn hamstring with, you know, when he came in. So he was kind of limited in that sense as well. So do they, do they say that the, the hamstring that was torn mid game or was it, was it torn already without it being known? Uh, so he came up limping on one of the plays. I guess it could have, okay, I guess it could, I do have, remember had, that. it could have been pulled and, yeah, maybe he didn't say anything or, I mean, it could have, could have had a minor tear and just not affected him until he, you know, actually got in game mode and in game speed. Um, I don't think he was actually on the injury report ever before. So I'm, I would say probably not uh, leading up to the game. Hmm. Yeah, here's, here's my issue that, that I have with this whole situation. And what is that? It's the Eagles fans who were calling Wentz, not our franchise quarterback. And that essentially that they don't think that he's able to lead us to the promised land because he's been hurt. And I'm going to break that down here for you. It's the same. And every single year Uh, that he's been hurt. So the first year was so in in the preseason when he was a rookie quarterback, he had you know completely blindside hit, broke his ribs, not his fault whatsoever. His second year. You know, sorry, Eagles fans, that Carson Wentz tried to dive for the end zone and he tore his ACL. You know, sorry, he's trying to be a good quarterback and evade pressure. And then the, the third, you know, third year he was hurt. You know, sorry, Eagles fans, um, you know, that he tried to <laughs> essentially put the team on his shoulders and on his back and ended up breaking his back. So, you know, that's where I'm, I'm kind of getting mad at Eagles fans calling him out because he's done everything that he can and tried as hard as he can every single week. And he just gets all the worst hate and it makes no sense whatsoever. There was actually a graphic up, and I was trying to find it before, that actually said that, uh, as crazy as it is, Carson Wentz, in the amount of time that Carson Wentz has played, had outperformed Tom Brady in the, in his first in his first few years, outperformed Tom Brady in his first few years. That 
it just seems like a lot of people are just not getting the bigger picture of what Wentz is. And that's what bothers me. It's just a lot of people are taking that Tory Holt stance and they're just seeing injury. And you know what? Maybe this is making me start to feel uh, sympathetic for someone like Donovan McNabb who just could never get the fans. Like, granted, ever, so many people wore McNabb jerseys, but he, but he just never seemed like he had the fans on the side one way or another. And in all honesty, it's just so many people are very rash to make decisions, I think. But in rea- the reality is Carson Wentz has played us, played us basically, he helped lead us to the Super Bowl. Without him, we weren't. Without him, we weren't making but the Super Bowl I, with Nick Foles all season. If, if, we, if Carson then, Wentz doesn't – Nick Foles doesn't win those games on the road in the, in the playoffs. So without Carson Wentz, there's no Super Bowl. Exactly. And then on top of that, Carson Wentz basically had to – at some points had to single-handedly get us to the playoffs this year. I mean, we were, our defense plays so poorly against bad teams that Carson had to pull drives out. And not only that, but we probably could have gotten a uh, – or we possibly could – actually, we may have been able to get a a bye if, you know, just one catch, you know, the, the catch at the end of the game actually occurs for some of those games, like the Falcons game, drop ball, drop ball against – The Lions. Uh, the Lions. Uh, there's another one, too, I'm, for, I'm forgetting. And it's just a damn shame that Carson just has to – like he's not. If you think Carson Wentz is the problem with this team, then you have not watched a single game this it's year. Seriously, I mean, he was playing with guys who were not on an NFL roster. Like at the beginning of the season, think about that. Like it's, it's just baffling. a crazy statement that you know. I had, looking at at the team before the season, you had Deshaun, you had Alshon, you had Jordan Howard, all these guys in there. You're, you're going to say, "Oh my God, this is going to be the best offense the Eagles have ever had." And then all of a sudden, halfway through the year, essentially every single one of those guys goes down. And Carson's the only one that was able to stay healthy. And thankfully, Dude, guys like the Greg irony Moore of all stepped that. up. You know, thankfully, Zach Ertz and, and um, Dallas Goddard stayed healthy as well. So yeah. the Wentz hate so, needs to stop. That's, that's where we're, we're yeah, ending with that. I, 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 th- I think we're, 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 we're beating a dead horse here. We are uh, – so, here we go. Moving forward, draft is in what three months? It'd be here before what do, we know. What do we need? What do we need? So obviously, we're going to lose Nelson. Alshon's probably going to be out the first few weeks of the season. I you don't know what you're going to get at Arthega Whiteside again. You have to get one or two wide receivers. I don't know necessarily. Necessarily, it has to be in the first round. If it's there, great. Uh, I think you have to get something to help out Carson. And maybe maybe we'll see what else. We'll, I think pro- so. I say we'll probably get someone, uh, maybe a linebacker or someone on the defensive line. But I think wide receiver, you have to get some help for, for Carson. You know that means we're not going to get a linebacker. Anytime we've ever needed a linebacker, we have never drafted a linebacker in the first like couple rounds. And I don't uh, – it's yeah. just it, – it, it's, you know, Howie in his press conference addressed the issue of him evaluating – college talent um i think in his quote he said he needs to take less as to how they produced in college and more so on how they think he'll project project because the reason he took Arthega Whiteside over Metcalf was because he had better numbers 
You know, Ortega Whiteside played for Stanford in the Pac-12. Of course, he's going to have good numbers compared to DK Metcalf, who played at Ole Miss. Yeah. It's a damn shame. It, re- it really is. I mean, I think one of the worst parts about what it are you is gonna I, do? I think we – like, I don't even think Green Bay is that good of a team. Like, I think the Eagles had a chance to go in there and win that game had we played in Green Bay. I mean, we've all- – we had already beaten Green Bay in Green Bay this year. Yeah, do you know who the only quarterback in NFL history to beat Aaron Rodgers is when Aaron Rodgers is up by 14 points? That's, That's Carson Wentz. Wentz. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> no other quarterback has <laughs> ever beaten Aaron Rodgers when he's at home up by 14 points in Carson Wentz. So <laughs> That's, That's insane. We're going to leave it at that. All right, so – okay, well, let's, let's, let's stick to it because, you know, we've got the uh, – we got the uh, championship games coming up this week. Who, who are you thinking right now? Are you, are you, or, no, who are you? I'm not going to ask you your picks. I guess who are you personally rooting oh, for? Oh, I'm rooting for Big Red. You're, you're rooting for Big Red? You don't want to see the, the 16 Titans? Uh, as much as I would like to see the 16 Titans, no. I, I want to see Big Red. Because Big Red also gets a lot of hate in this town, and he's such a good coach. Like, he's a Hall yeah, of Fame coach, he's, and he's <laughs> for some reason not liked. You know what? I'm just going to hedge my bets here. I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm not going to lose either one. I think I will be very satisfied as long as both teams do not fall in a hole and disappear off the face of the earth. I think either one of those teams will be an enjoyable team to root for in the Super Bowl as opposed to on the NFC side. NFC side, I, I'm i not necessarily rooting for someone, but I think the 49ers are a better team. They're, they're defensive front. Uh, they're going to get all after Rodgers. I just know they did before, and I think they're going to do it again. They, 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 you know, they got right after Cousins and made him look. He did not look like a, a good quarterback in that game. So he looked like Kirk Cousins. I so it was weird because <laughs> normally Kirk Cousins is good in day games and terrible in primetime games. So I thought that maybe Kirk, maybe uh, Captain Kirk would show up, but he didn't. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Um, I. If I had to root for someone, I'd probably go with the 49ers. I think after everything they dealt with, you know what? Chip, it's, it's, it's great. Having the best, the best thing that anyone can do for their roster is have had Chip Kelly as a former head coach. That's uh, the vibe that I'm getting right now. Eagles, Eagles fire Chip Kelly. They win a Super Bowl two years later. The 49ers fired Chip uh, Kelly, and I think it has has it been they're in position has, to win a Super Bowl. Has it been Bowl. two years? Since they, <laughs> I, I think it's been two years. So essentially, you know, maybe maybe all these NFL teams are going to start hiring Chip Kelly and firing him. So then, two years later, they can win the Super Bowl. I mean, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's probably going to get fired by UCLA. So hey, two years from now, hedge your bet on UCLA winning, winning the NCAA title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's, we 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 can't put money on that one. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right, moving on now. Uh, do you want to get into the flags of the week? I would love to get in some flags of the week. All right. You want to take us off here? All right. So my white flag of the week. So my wh- white flag. It, so before we actually start, so the white flag is some kind of uh, thing that you're waving the flag. What, what are you giving up on? Your red flag. What's your violation of the week? And your checkered flag. Who, who's the, your winner? My white flag for this week is award shows. Oh my God, are they terrible? No one actually enjoys being there. I remember seeing like some kind of Q and A with I forget which celebrity it was, and people ask like, "How amazing are award shows?" It and they just respond, "They're absolutely terrible." 
Ricky Gervais comes out swinging. This is the highlight of any awards of any award season I've ever seen. Just calling everyone out on their BS left, right. What do they do? They do the exact same BS after the show. They don't alter their speeches. They talk about they they talk about their whatever things. They drag on, and it, it just gets worrying. Also, Oscar Oscar nominations come out. No love for Uncut Gems. I thought, uh, what's it called? They were gonna give some love to Adam Sandler for all he's after all he's done, and then Knives Out, which might have been one of the best films I've ever seen, got one nomination from what I saw, one, and it's for best original screenplay, not even best film. Didn't Adam Sandler say that he was gonna try and create like the worst movie ever if he wasn't nominated? Grown Ups 3? <laughs> yes, that's... Uh... Hey, Grown Ups 1 and 2 are great movies. How dare you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like you run out of material after a certain amount of time. Ja- you don't know Jack and Jill 2. That would be the worst film of well, all what's time. The, what's the one um, that... I mean, I guess... Uh, you count, like, his Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, and Big Daddy, like... Do you count those as as good movies? Oh, those are those are incredible. You, you say Waterboy, Mr. Deeds is up there. Click isn't terrible. <laughs> click two would be terrible. Uh, Somehow did, you can make fi- a click two. Fifty first dates was good. Like there was a lot of good stuff from Adam Sandler. He's got a very good portfolio. Your, your personal favorite, I, Eight Crazy Nights. It's not my personal. It's not. My <laughs> <laughs> it's not there. Is, is that because I'm Jewish? Of, of course not. Of course. <laughs> Of course it is. <laughs> All right, what, what's your what's your? All right, flag? so my white flag of the week uh, is going to be the New Orleans Saints, and this is the third year in a row that they've been eliminated from the playoffs, and the third year in a row that they said that they're actually the best team in the NFL and they should have won the Super Bowl. So I don't know what it's going to take to get them to stop being on this, you know, high horse. But sorry, New Orleans Saints, you're not the best team in the NFL. And you're sure as hell not going to win the Super Bowl. They're almost going to be like the UCF uh, having the parade, right? They're just going to keep giving the Saints parades even though they don't win anything. Oh God, that's that's even that's yeah. I remember UCF doing that. That's I you know I think I was a bigger supporter of the Browns zero uh, and sixteen parade. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so All I'm right. going to go into my my violation. My red flag of the week is the police officer that said he was going to arrest the LSU players after the tunnel game for smoking cigars in the locker room. I don't know if you saw this video, but literally like almost every single player that has like a cigar and there's this cop who comes out of nowhere. He's literally yelling in the face of these kids. Like I'm going to take you out in handcuffs unless you put down that cigar. And they're just like laughing in his face. That's the best part. But seriously, like why, like this cop has to have some type of common sense. Like these kids, they can't, party with any alcohol because the NCAA rules, even though they probably shut off cameras and then did. But um, I don't know what this cop was thinking. Like, why would you go in there thinking that they would, any of these kids would listen to you? Like when they're literally at the highest point in their life at that point. That cop would not have a job probably if it weren't for that team. That's that just sounds like biting the hand that feeds right there. Yeah. I, I assume, I don't know if he was even like a security guard that like worked for the Superdome, but he had no business doing that. Yeah, seriously. Like, I mean, when, like, think about that for a second, though. Someone that you are, you're essentially there to protect them, and instead you're you're coming out gun, you're coming out guns blazing. That, that that's as violation as it comes. You know, that's just biting the hand that feeds. Yeah. 
Let's see. So my uh, red flag of the week is Brad Rudder's presence on Goat Jeopardy. Did you watch any Goat Jeopardy this past week? And I half? didn't get a chance to, no. Oh, uh, you missed it, man. Granted, I am going to give him some love because on a final Jeopardy, uh, he had weight that he, he had uh, no chance of, of even attempting to get it. He put 4133. <laughs> there we go. As, 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 his, uh, as his wager. And uh, I think he wrote, he wrote Go Birds or something on it too. I forget. But he, this guy is the, was, is the all-time money leader in Jeopardy. This guy wins everything. This guy did not stay relevant once. So uh, the format was you do two games a night. I think he finished an all but – so he was in eight games total. I think in all but like maybe one game he finished below 10,000. And I think five of those eight he had like zero or less than like – no, he didn't have zero. He had the the five lowest amounts on the board basically. Man. He, like, like of the week. That's, yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's like, just, I wonder was if – you think it was like pressure that he just like – maybe just bad categories, but it seemed – I don't know. Bad categories, yeah, but eight times. Eight different games. I don't know, man. He just laid an egg. He was there for the picture. Yeah. <laughs> he was, so did, uh, did, if you, like, I guess on a normal Jeopardy show, if you come in second and third place to give you some type of consolation prize, was he still getting, like, any type of pro? He doesn't deserve it, but, yeah, so the way it went was Ken Jennings, who won, got a million, and then Holzhauer and Rudder each got 250 k now, granted, the one other thing that I'm going to add to the – I'm going to add a second violation on Brad Rudder was Ken Jennings and James Holzhauer were just powerful on social media this week. Brad Rudder had nothing, mm-hmm. no presence. I don't know if he's not a social media guy. He might not be. But, like, what just – Got to get yeah, your brand out there, add, right? Yeah, I, I don't really give a crap about that. <laughs> but I just, I'm just saying, like, you know, add to the entertainment value, man. Like, he – he had he had some good moments like the like the birds one, but he just did not add as much as the other two guys did. Yeah. All right, lead us into our, our winners of the week. All right, so mine it's my my winner of the week sounds like like the winner of Time Magazine's uh, Person of the Year. It's uh eth- the ethical MLB ownership, where I think you know Major League Baseball laid an egg, and we'll get into that in a little bit laid an egg for uh, doling out proper punishments for for cheating for this outright cheating leading to World Series championships. Not just one championship was, was won because of these scandals, but two consecutive championships between the Astros and the Red Sox. And now we know nothing about what the deal was going to be with Cora, but they gave one-year suspension. They did find the maximum amount of money to the Astros, and... They also uh, took away draft picks, which I think that the money in draft picks is fair. How do you not ban these guys from baseball? But you know what? The owner of the Astros took it upon himself, said, you know what? You, you, you're done. Yeah, talking about A.J. Hinch and the GM Lunau. Yeah, the, the owner did the right thing. There's, there's no reason to not keep them around. That. Especially because the Astros uh, – Baseball operations came out and said that the owner actually had no idea that they were doing this. So, um, you know, props to them for owning up and, you, and not throwing, not trying to throw it. Do you believe it? Do I? Yeah, I do. We'll I see. do. I do believe the owner. Had no I, idea. I do too. 
it's just it's you never know. Like I mean, like that stuff can fly under the radar, especially with ownership. This guy is a very important guy outside of baseball. Like, but also, you know, I want to give some credit here also to uh, the Red Sox. Uh, had parted ways with Alex Cora even before um, a anything was done with the 2018 team. And then lastly, I got to give some credit to the Phillies. You know what? As much as I used to like them, uh, the Phillies let uh, Odubel Herrera walk. Uh, now, Grant, I don't know if that means if we bring him back because we just DFA'd him. So, so, so but, someone could pick him up on a minor league deal. Yeah. Which would be the best case scenario for the Phillies so he doesn't just sit in the minors, really. Yeah, but I, I, I have a feeling he's gone. So I, I think I'm just going to just say that, you know what, that's an ethical win. Yes. And then I'm going to go with my winner of the week. It's the Staten Island Yankees. So it still has to do with the whole Astros and Red Sox cheating. So the Staten Island Yankees in a game in September are doing a promotional giveaway against when they're playing the Triple A, I'm sorry, the um, it's rookie ball, the uh, affiliate of the Houston Astros. And they're giving away mini trash cans to the first 3,000 fans. That is the best, one of the best promotions I've ever seen. And that is awesome. So props to you, Beautiful. Staten Island Yankees. I'm all for it. Cheating, this, this stuff has to be out of baseball. I, I very much am a, a disapprove of the replay system in place. Um, and all the fancy rules that they're trying to create to speed up the game, I disapprove of all of it. I'm not a fan. It, it's baseball is meant to be, you know, the, a game of errors. It's it's uh, meant to have the human error part as far as the umpires. There's so much wrong, and I think the fact that some of this replay stuff was put in place, it kind of hurt them that you know these teams were using this illegal cameras and and all this stuff. So um, we're gonna take a break here, and we're actually gonna, we're gonna come back here with the Astros and the Red Sox, Red Sox cheating scandal. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll be back shortly. You don't want to miss this. And welcome back to the WizWiff podcast. I'm Alex. I'm here with my co-host, Matt. Matt, let's dive a little bit deeper into this scandal now. Uh, so basically, we start out, the first, the first year we have on record of this occurring is 2017. The Astros go on this miracle run, which, you know, if, if you don't, I don't know if you remember, but everyone was just, root, I think a lot of people were just rooting for them to win. Because of after all the last place finishes they had in the early two thousand in the earlier part of the two thousand uh, two thousand tens, and I now they're now they're the I don't know now you just you have no sympathy for anything that's going on and I don't know what are your thoughts? Yeah, right now it's it's the biggest news in in all of professional sports, and it's honestly it's not just sad for both the Astros and the Red Sox. I think it's just. It's sad overall for baseball that this came out, a story like this, um, because you would never want to see it. It sucks that, you know, teams were were never going to know what would have happened with the Yankees. Um, Would the Yankees have beat the Red Sox or the Astros and not cheated? You know, did the Red Sox not beat the Dodgers in 2018? Have they not cheated? The list goes on and on. Um, And it's really just sad that, you know, there's guys who – in 2017, you know, could have lost their jobs who were pitching in, you know, Minute Maid Park, and they bring a guy up. He gets shelled there because they're cheating. You know, they send him back down. He loses money. You know, maybe they say you're not good enough to pitch in the majors. There's a lot of stuff that could have happened from this. Um, you know, the, the league, they did put, you know, the, the, the rules in place that 
after the 2017 season where now every TV has to have an eight second delay. So hopefully it would, you know, try to stop this. I don't, I still don't think it did because somehow the Red Sox were able to do it in 2018. And for those not familiar, the Red Sox, how they cheated. So what they did, they used the camera in center field. They had someone in the dugout tell someone else, you know, I guess it must've been down in the tunnel or down the steps. It would tell someone um, in the dugout, you know, what pitch was coming based on what the catcher was putting down that someone from the dugout would then relay that sign to the runner on second base and the runner on second base would then relay that sign to the hitter. So both very elaborate. It, it is and it, very and both in 2017 and 2018, the Astros and the Red Sox, they knew that essentially almost every single pitch that was coming. And that that's just not baseball. That's you're, you're not stealing signs the correct way. You're not stealing. You shouldn't be stealing signs. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but it's you know what what I think is the craziest part about all this. This is a player-driven operation, and I think this is a, another part where Major League Baseball fell flat. Is all these other all these players should be implicated. I think the issue with that is the Players Association would step in. And for a guy like uh, that, you know, left the Astros or the Red Sox, you know, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but someone who, who could be playing for like the Twins now, like, are you going to suspend him? Like, is it fair to them now? I think that's the argument. I, I mean, I, you can technically make a contract null and void in theory, but honestly, a lot of that team did stay together, has stayed together. I know, like, there's been some players on the move, but it's just everybody who knows how to cheat is still on is still on these rosters. Everybody who is it was basically the cause. Like, I mean, think about it. Alex Cora could have said something, and then nothing else done about it. This was a whole team operation. Yeah, I think I and it's just single, singling out though singling out a manager and a GM it just doesn't see it just doesn't something doesn't seem right about it where what you are you saying that if it weren't for these two guys the the sign stealing wouldn't have occurred and that's just completely not true. No, I mean for the case of the Astros it came down from like the operations department like the the, the scouts like were like asked if they could find a way to gain an advantage, you know, whether it be legal or, Ill- or illegal. And that was it. Mm-hmm. So in, in terms of AJ Hinch, he said that like, he didn't like what they were doing yet. He still let them do it. So I didn't really understand that part a whole lot. You know what I mean? Well, it's not that he let them do it. It's just, he, he never did like, so he, for example, like he had actually said that he took a bat and smashed the monitor t- uh, twice, but he never actually, like formally said to his team, we need to stop. And I think if he did, or they, they would have stopped. I think that's you know that that's why it's it's his fault. And oh, also, like, no, what is it? Is, it, like, is, is he bad. not hearing the banging behind him? Like, you know what I mean? No, like he knew he knew it was going exactly. On. It's, it's that's like never... why I, I part of me doesn't believe that he, you know, didn't necessarily try to stop it. It just doesn't make sense because clearly, like, it, you know, he he smashed it twice. Okay, great. Like, what what does that do? Like, you still have it for a hundred and some other games. Great, you smash. Like, they can get a monitor. 
they probably have a thousand of them. So like that, that doesn't affect them at all. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's, and honestly, he could have just, he honestly could have just broken the monitor out of frustration for something exactly. else and not actually because of his disapproval. So I get what you're saying. Now, here's a question. How many teams do you think are doing this though? Cause the, now these are, these, these aren't the only two teams doing it, I imagine. I feel like these are just the only two teams that have gotten caught. Sure, and hopefully the the penalties they put in place will prevent this from happening going forward. Um, and I think it's probably why the teams who aren't doing this wanted to see a harsher penalty to kind of, you know, hope, I, I guess make a, make a point that this stuff isn't good for baseball. Um, Which is why I was hoping – I was honestly hoping for – and Major League Baseball to just ban Cora, mm-hmm. Linnell, and uh, – and hinge yeah. immediately. I I think you got you can't go soft in something like this. You need to set a precedent saying we are we will not tolerate this. Right, right. And so uh, and yeah, you know, I, so so there was a player that actually came out. Um, and actually, I think the Astros said it in the same. They said that there's eight other teams, not including them, that cheat. And they 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 named the Red Sox. I don't know who else was in there, but Logan Morrison, uh, Philly in 2019. Uh, sent out a Instagram post that said that he knows for like a fact that um, almost like from firsthand experience that the Yankees, Astros, Red Sox, and Dodgers are all four of the biggest proponents of cheating. So the Yankees have been, their, their name have been going around as far as using a camera. Um, I think the MLB said they're not going to investigate the Yankees. So, Oh, how convenient. <laughs> I don't necessarily, I mean, I'm sure they're going to, at some point, they're going to have to try to to figure something out, and who are, who those other teams are, I, I don't, even, I wouldn't even know where to begin, to be honest with you. Um, but I think that's just bad for baseball if there's that many teams that are cheating, you know, gaining an advantage in, in the wrong way. Um, it's in this cheating. It's the worst part about it is it's it's bigger than baseball. It really is. Like, it's the integrity of the something game. Is, yeah, it's it's bigger. Like the integrity of the game is bigger than the game itself. Because, you know, like, not to get all sappy here, but, you know, a lot of kids, grow, like, look up, especially, maybe not as much to baseball anymore, but, you know, growing up, you always used to look at ballplayers as your heroes. And when you see a guy who's, like, a hero to a lot of people, like Jose Altuve or uh, Carlos Beltran, who's a, who's a legend, part of this scandal, it's it's just, it's really sad. It's just, it's just this is what you're teaching our kids. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's not what you want. And to go back to my point about Logan Morrison, so he actually said in his tw- in his uh, Instagram post that the Astros had been rumored to do this back in 2014. So this is wow. a ways back. And believe it or not, someone had actually gone back. Uh, I watched the clip. Someone posted a clip on Twitter of an Astros game back in 2014. What do you think they heard? The trash can being hit. <laughs> yep. Back in 2014. Yeah. So um, I, maybe uh, the video cameras probably weren't and obviously weren't as good in 2014 as they are in 2017. But <laughs> that was, that's a curveball, right? I'm laying off. <laughs> you know, it, it's I hope it didn't, hasn't been going on for that long. The Astros made it seem like it's only been going on since 2017. But forever, you know, in the record books, at least in my eyes, 2017, and even 2018 for the Red Sox, you know, there's an asterisk. They're tainted. There's no if, under bus. 
You know what? You know what's crazy? I was uh, looking at um, a graphic earlier today, and what is it? Of the last five World Series, four of those managers have been ousted from their teams. Is that right? I think so. Let, let, let's go. Let's go back. Or not ousted. So they're just no longer with their sure. Team. So let's go. So back, starting in uh, 2018, you mean, right? No, no. Last five years. Oh, five so... years. Okay. Let's see. Jesus Christ, I'm getting old right now. I'm already forgetting who won the World Series a few years ago. What year in 2016? All right, so let's start. Ready? Mm-hmm. So you've got. Um... All right, let's start. Let's start. So Dave Martinez, he's obviously still with the Nationals. Right. Alex Cora gone. AJ Hinch gone. Joe Madden fired. Ned Yost also also gone. I think yeah, he's, he's fired. I think he's also gone. Oh, and then Bochi in 2014, he's fired. Well, I guess he retired, uh, I guess I should say. But he's not there. Oh, I mean, we can keep going further back, actually. This one actually gets – you know what? I don't think any previous World Series winner has, has is an still active with manager. the team is, is currently an active manager. Hold on a second. Because then you have John Farrell, Bochi, La Russa, Bochi, Girardi, Manuel, Frank, Frank Kona with the Sox. No, like – that's huh. a weird concept to think of. That no manager that has won a World Series besides Dave Martinez is still with that current team. So you want to hear something crazy? You named Girardi, right? Yeah. So back in 2017, who did the Houston Astros beat in Game Seven of the ALCS? They beat the Yankees, and then Girardi got the. And boot. then Girardi got fired. Oh my God! He got the boot. I totally. If forgot the Yankees about that. win that, if the, the Yankees boot. win that series, is Joe Girardi still the manager of the New York Yankees? You bet your ass he is. I, I, I first off thought that was total bullshit that he was, uh, that they let him go. I thought that was just a complete scapegoat. And like, come on, when you get to Game Seven of the ALCS, you're essentially good enough to be a World Series team. Yeah. There had to have been other internal stuff that over. Yeah. You probably something they just wanted to go in a different direction and in, in some type of the, uh, you know, baseball operations. That's the only thing I can, I can think of. But it's crazy to think about, right? This domino effect. Joe Girardi is probably not manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. Have the Astros not cheated, right? <laughs> well, thanks. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, Houston. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I'm very happy we have Joe Girardi. I think he's going to be an awesome addition for the Phillies. Yeah. Um, but that, it's just crazy to think about. Like, Joe Girardi is probably still the Yankees manager. It's insane. Yeah. All right, let, let's let's move on. This topic is making me depressed. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, but hopefully, in a, we'll, by next episode, we'll have Alex Cora's decision. All right. What are we talking about next? Uh, we got the Sixers. All right. So much for not being. Depressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Sixers are currently sixth in the East at with a twenty-five and sixteen record at the halfway point of the season. Where has this all gone wrong? Alex, uh, I think, you know, I talked about it last week's episode, or sorry, two weeks ago. That I think they're the most confusing team in, in the National Basketball League Association. And they might be in the confused, confusing team in NBA history. I'm still there. I still don't know, like, what the issue is, like, as far as why they look so good. Other, you know, one game and the next game, they look like a completely different team. Just seems like some games are trying, some games are not. Clearly, they're a different team than they are at home as opposed to on the road. 
the fact that they have a 17, sorry, seven and 14 record, despite being 18 and two at home, just baffles me. Uh, considering some how, how good some of the other teams are on the road, and it's crazy. I mean, it's by the way. Let's let's uh, first say that our theory uh, that we had two weeks ago has been completely disproven. <laughs> that uh, we got we looked great in the first quarter. Was I think at the start of the first quarter in the I mean, first we still quarter in the first the half, Rockets. you could say. Yeah, I guess so. But you started to see it dwindling down the second quarter. And we just got annihilated on national TV by the Rockets. And so, no, that theory is, is out the window. No, I think was that that was, that was with Embiid, too, I believe, Embiid right? Embiid did play in that game, yeah. He did play because I, I went to the, uh, the Thunder game. We looked good in the Thunder game. Like, even when we weren't looking good, we never lost our lead. But... This is also the thunder we're talking about. This is this isn't really a this shouldn't be a shocker. Uh, overall, I mean, again, we it history if history has told us anything, it's always the team you predict to, teams you predict to be good at the beginning of the season are the ones who end up making the playoff run. So. And look, they're still. It's not like it's not like they're, you know, a five hundred team. I mean, they're still like two or three games out of being a two seed. It's, and that's very true. I and mean, I think the that, issue is, is everyone, everyone is is you know expecting them to be like what the Bucks are essentially, and they're not. But we're built the exact opposite way now. The way the Bucks are built, you take your big man uh, Giannis and you fill him, fill around him with shooters. You look at Brook Lopez, big man can shoot. Middleton, great shooter. Bledsoe's good shooter. Uh, they brought Corver in. I mean, Corver's probably is not a big part of that, but still, that's the layout of the team. Well, on the flip side, look at the Sixers. The Sixers double down on the big men. You have Simmons, Horford, Embiid. You do have a Richardson, but Richardson bodies up, plays bigger than a two. He definitely he, he de- like honestly, I I've always believed that Richardson could play like. A an athletic three if he wanted to, and then Tobias Harris is he's a three, but he's a tall three. It's not like a he's not a better defender, but he's he's a tall three. It's that's not insignificant. You look at Thibault, so we take a completely different approach from the Bucks, and we beat the Bucks. Right, it's so almost it's, like do we match up better against the Bucks and the Celtics? because you know who we beat again, right? Yeah. We haven't beat. We haven't. You know, this is the first time we've ever had three wins against them in I don't know how long in this in one year. The Celtics. I don't get it, man. The Celtics don't look like a good team against us at all. Like we step it up oh. against them. We've played very well home and away. Do you know when the first time we play the Bucks in Milwaukee is? I think that's coming up really soon. I, I, need, I want to see that, but obviously we're probably not going to have Embiid though. Is I okay? So we got um. All right, you ready? So we got um. February sixth in Milwaukee, and then February twenty second again in Milwaukee. Okay. And then we play the Bucks one last time, in uh the beginning of April. Okay. So granted, that April game could be a big deal as long as no one runs away but 
which the Bucks still could, but even if they do, I mean, that's a big victory regardless. Yeah, we could still be fighting to get to, like, a two seed at that point. So it could still be a really big game. All right, so speaking of him being like, let's go into it. So he tore, he tore a ligament in his finger, and he's out. Uh, how long, do we know how long he's out for? I think they said he, from when he had the surgery, he was going to be reevaluated. Uh, lovely Sixers term in two to three weeks, a la Markel Fultz reevaluated every two to three weeks. Um, oh my god! <laughs> I thought you would. He needs I thought to you learn how like to that. shoot a basketball. How many, how many times can a guy be reevaluated in two to three weeks? <laughs> you know what? Matt, we, I want I want I want to do an evaluation every two to three weeks. I want you to reevaluate every everything there is about this podcast every two to three weeks. And just, Wait, this is like Jason and Garrett. See if it still Jason Garrett. <laughs> All right, so let's let's uh, talk a little bit more about Embiid. I don't know if you saw and uh, did you get a chance to read it? But uh, Joel Embiid uh, just today posted an article in the Players Tribune. And man, I I have I love the Players Tribune. It's it really brings you in the head of a guy that you really can't relate to in any other manner. Because like, what what comparisons do I personally have to Joel Embiid? Like literally zero. A great head I of hair he is the exact. I hate. <laughs> I, I hate you very much now. Um. Uh, so, but it, like literally, me and Joel Embiid are the two most opposite people alive. I think that's fair to say. I think you actually are polar opposites. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I'm actually trying to find one comparison. I mean, I like to laugh. He likes to laugh. That's, that's something. I guess you like but to watch basketball. <laughs> I like to watch basketball. He likes to play. He likes to watch soccer. <laughs> <laughs> so... And Bean talks a lot in his Players' Tribune article about his brother. And you, you don't realize what someone is going through unless you have act, when they lose someone so close to them, unless you've actually gone through it. And that put, like, of all the, the flack that we give to Embiid, we always forget he lost one of the most important people in his life, and he dedicates his game to his brother. He actually almost quit according to his article, after being drafted by the Sixers, he never really was worried about the injury. It's just he had lost all motivation at one point because, you know, he oh, he just wanted to do it for his brother. It was It's actually crazy because, listen to this story. So, and I'll try to keep it brief. So Embiid, you know how he attended Luke Malmute's uh, camp? Mm-hmm. He actually missed Skip the first day because he wanted, because he was playing FIFA with his brother. Because those were the moments he cherished, and then his dad found out and was like, "No, you're getting your ass. You're getting your ass to the camp." <laughs> and soon after that, he gets recruited um, to like beyond his wildest dreams. Never thought he'd go to college in America. Gets recruited to play basketball in America. Um, and, it's, and then it, you fast forward; it goes three years goes by. He has, still hasn't seen his brother. Uh, the injury this injury occurs. He has surgery on the West Coast. His brother already had a plane ticket to fly in to see him on the East Coast, still doesn't get to see him. Four months later, his brother's killed in a car in a car accident. Wow. And, like, that's what Embiid has to live with. We're like, he has to live with that. And it, he talks about, like, living with that 
on his shoulders and how that it influences his game. Like how, like in honor of his brother, he wants to be the best player. Now I give a lot of crap for Embiid for seeming lazy, but from what I'm reading, that he is the farthest thing from it. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he also said this. Now, this is something you'll find interesting. That just he does not listen to the criticism that he should play in the post every every point. Because criticism from what? That, from who? From Shaq. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. Every, like from all the fans saying that he should stay in the point. I, I, me personally, I am one of the the biggest advocates because he said in this article that. You will net with the way they double team you, you will never be able to get away with just sitting in the post for, for the whole game. You have to, no matter what size you are, whether you're six feet tall or seven foot, whatever, you need to play the full game of basketball and be a shooter and be a threat no matter what and become unpredictable to be have success in this league. He doesn't want to become the best center, he wants to become the best pl- basketball player. And I, I have respect for that. That's awesome. I really do. I really need to read that and he, article. And he's, he ends, he's like saying, um, oh boy, I just want to look, look, see if I can find I know it the end, real quick. I, I, I did see a couple of, a few things on Twitter about the end about saying he doesn't really care about anything else. All he wants to do is win. It's here. One sec. I, I got it. That, that just, to me, it, like, it's a so long that, article. That, that, that part to me, at the end there, when he talked about all he wants to do is win. Like, we have all these people who are coming out and saying, you know, him and Simmons don't clearly, clearly don't care about anything. You know, they have no drive. You know, they don't care if they win a championship. They're just, you know, content with getting their money. That This article pretty much disproves that. Yeah, I mean, this here's, here's the quote. It's, I'm done with tra- the trash talking and the memes and all that. Once I'm holding that trophy in, in my hands, maybe I'll be back to my charming self. For now, I got one thing on my mind. I'm not trying to win a debate. I'm trying to win an effing champ, an effing title. Let's do it. Yeah. This year All is right. our year. Jeff Garcia, baby. <laughs> <our year. laughs> All right. So let's let's. Uh, I know we've uh, we've hung around on the six a little bit, but I'm gonna do one thing. It's a halfway point. If the playoffs started today. I'm gonna give you some. I'm gonna give you the scenario, and I will see how far you think we okay. go. You ready? Yep. All right. Today we would be a six seed. Round one, we play the Heat, who is a three seed. The Heat have the best home record in the NBA, seventeen and one. Where do you think that series goes? I would say we win in six. I think we win. I think we somehow win in seven. I think, and the only reason why I say somehow is because. The Heat, the Heat would have game. We would have to play Game Seven against the Heat. I don't think we would let a Game Seven happen like it did in Toronto again. Next, you play the Celtics, Round Two. They're the two seed. We've already beaten them a few times. I think we would win in five. Five. I would say that would go to seven as well. You say that would go to seven. Yeah. Now you play the Bucks. Again, we decimated them on Christmas. It was at home. But we destroyed them. I can I see a path to the finals, and I hate myself for saying you're talking that. yourself into it. Oh God, this is this is you and the whole uh, we're hosting an NFC Championship nonsense again. <laughs> Could have happened. Oh, God. 
Oh my god! Well, where, where do you land on that on that box? Yeah. Uh, listen, if I'm t- if I'm saying it right now, I'm I think I would probably have to say we're going to lose to the Bucks, but you know, I I can't say that we're going to lose. You know, I I can't see us not being in the finals. Like I just think we're too how, talented. Okay, how many games we lose to the Bucks? If we lost games? to the Bucks, I think it would be in seven. So. In my opinion, I think the Heat are the tough, and I hate saying it. I think the Heat are our toughest team in that loop. Just because we don't match up with them well, we don't match up with them well, and I feel like Jimmy Butler just knows every our entire team inside and out. Like it's not like Jimmy yeah, Butler you know plays team incredibly like well against Robinson us, but, and Kendrick Nunn but, beat us. But every time we played them. They just they look ready for us. They 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 always have an answer for Maybe us. Maybe they have Spolster, Myers Spolster, Leonard, right? Yeah, he's he's it's a, I was gonna say he's the devil, but um, you have friggin' Myers Leonard. Just you know what? Two seconds left on the shot clock. Shucks a three up with you know it's good form, but he could just throw it with terrible form just because out of hail mary and it magically swishes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just barely go and it swishes. I think we, I think we do have a chance. I, I still think we're going to get to that two seed. I think we're going to find I a think, way to get to it. I think we'll be able to get to home court in the first round. I think we'll get to a four. I'm a little less optimistic. Because we essentially are like conserving energy for the playoffs. Like, Yeah, there's a combination of that. The combination, our schedule, I don't think our schedule is as hard the second half. But... You don't know how much we're going to conserve ourselves. That's fair. Time will tell. Hopefully, you know, Embiid seems dedicated to come back in shape. Maybe he comes back with a vengeance off this injury. Yeah, that's that's definitely it. All right, let's move on to our top five. Now, if you were listening last episode, we spontaneously decided we are going to do our top five Dan Baker names. In honor of him feeling, in honor of him feeling better, and uh, you know what? And I and just, you know, what? I'm excited for the Philly season. There's no reason why I should be, but I am excited for this Philly season. Me too. Me too. So, the rules of this are simple. These you have to uh, say the name. You have to do your best impression of Dan Baker. Now you don't have to say now bat now batting for the Phillies. You just just you just need to say the name. I think it'd be pretty uh, and, as as much fun as it would be to get, to go through position and number. We'll just do name. Yeah, well, and no walk up songs either. <laughs> no, no, I, we don't need to play. I don't even know half of your people's uh, or half of my people. I should say is walk up songs. Just you probably only know one of them. I I I only know one of them. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, do you want to, do you want to start with your your, your uh, number five? Well, let let's go back and forth. All right, so you start number five. All right, so my number five is Bobby Abreu. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. As I feel like the the larger the syllables, you're more likely gonna get better. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, with all, I, I, I think, think I did not. If follow you look that. at if you when you hear all all of mine, you're gonna talk about syllables. You're gonna see a lot. <laughs> <laughs> see, I actually don't have any syllables. My one is. Doug Glanville. That's a good one. I like it. I like it. So I'm going to stick with uh, with another outfielder. <laughs> I don't know. This guy, probably people don't even remember him. David <laughs> Delucci. <laughs> I 
All right, sticking to the outfield theme, center fielder, Andy Chavez. See, it's almost like second nature for you to just say the position, right? Because you just, you just hear it and you have to say it. Yeah, feel free to say the position. It's just All right, it's, so maybe it's not mandatory. I'm trying to think if I should go with what, what position. So this guy played, I guess, because he had two different stints with us. Um, I guess I would say third baseman, Placido Polanco. Oh, God, I wish I stole that from you. <laughs> you said it earlier. I kind of wish I kept it. All right. My third one. Second base, Chase Utley. Hey, we said no welcome songs. <laughs> All right. Now my number two, someone on the team now. Catcher J.T. Real Muto. So when, when we first acquired JT Romuto, Dan Baker actually tweeted that this is going to be one of his, of his favorite names to say. Uh, I think it's awesome when he says it. Yeah, I, I agree. That's 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 definitely my current day favorite. So I have uh, someone who's who's uh, close with the team now. Second baseman, Mickey Morandini. I'm surprised that's not your number one. Uh, I I love my number one. Uh, so this guy right here, my number one, is someone who I'm hoping is going to have a big year. He's still another member of the team. Pitcher Vincent Velasquez. Uh, that, as much as I dislike him as a pitcher, oh, that's a great name. It is a good baseball name. <laughs> that's, that's a good name. All right, now this one, I, I have never heard, maybe with uh, exception to Chase Utley, Dan Baker sound more excited to say this name. Whatever. Third baseman, Scott Hrolin. He like puts that little huh in it. Hrolin. He's a great PA announcer. Oh my God. This has, list could go on and your, on. <laughs> uh, has he ever said your name? Uh, yeah. When I, when I started at the uh, uh, Liberty Bell Classic, my freshman year there. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So I was actually on the field. I want the scholar of the month, uh, my sophomore year of high school. And he said your name? Alex Marmalstein. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I, I should have put you on my top five. Uh, what's, what, what, what did yours sound like? Uh, I don't even know. No idea. Well, you, you, can, you, you, you can make a you guess. Get, you, you do it. Matt Morella. That's, yeah, it's probably something like that. I mean, he did our whole team. Too, so it was cool. Oh, Here that's, everyone. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So those are our right. damn Baker days. As we said last week, we were going to give it to you. Uh, I know our uh, our impersonations were terrible, but those are our favorite. Yeah. Let's yeah. see you do better. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back with a little Phillies point. We're going to see uh, what Alex, what you're thinking. Are you satisfied with the roster? So we're going to come back. Hopefully everyone's uh, getting ready for pitchers and catchers coming up here soon. Welcome back here to the WizWith Podcast here with your host, Matt, and my co-host, Alex. Everyone, thanks for listening. As we always say, we're going to get into a little bit of Phillies talk. Uh, you know, we're under 30 days to when uh, pitchers and catchers report. We're all excited for the season. Um, I know we have some new, new faces, obviously the new manager, Joe Girardi. Uh, new guy on the staff, Zach Wheeler, and we got a gold glove shortstop and Didi Gregorius. Alex, what do you think? Are you happy with the roster? I, as far as the hitters go, I'm very happy. Once we get to the pitching, I, I don't know, man. I, 
I don't. This pitching staff does not look good at all. Like as, as far, the bullpen, I think looks terrible. And outside of the first half of your starting rotation, it's just despicable. All right. So if you talk about the rotation, <laughs> you've got Nola, Wheeler, yeah, yeah, Arietta, and then that's Eflin. and then the drop off. Uh, yeah, Eflin's not bad. And then I'm assuming it's going to be Velasquez and Pavetta competing for that number five. No, you don't think Irvin's got a shot? No, I don't think – not compared to those two, no. The way – because he just didn't do well last year. Yeah. Um, I guess maybe because he's a lefty. I guess they're going to try him out definitely, but no, I don't think he's a shot. Um, Yeah, not many guys left in the bullpen just because we lost so many to injury. And it depends who's come back. You have Jose Alvarez, who's actually not bad. Uh, you got Neris. You have Arano, who will be coming back from injury. Sir Anthony, he'll be back. Sir Anthony, hopefully, will be back from injury. JD Hammer, I assume, will come up. Uh, great baseball name, by the way. And then JD uh, Hammer. <laughs> how about an under the radar lefty that did really well last year that no one really talked about? How about Ranger Suarez? Oh, Ranger Suarez, yeah. So, like, it, it's basically what we're saying is we have a bullpen there. It's just. Are we confident they're gonna stay healthy? Um, which I'm not. And are we confident they're gonna they're they're gonna maintain consistency after like you know a short spouts of of playing well? I'm also not convinced about that. That's why I was really hoping we would make a push for a couple of those uh, relievers that we had talked about. Maybe Dylan Batanz. We yeah, Dylan Batanz. Look, he he would look nice because he can be your setup. Even guy. after that, he can be your closer. Yeah. But but then again, look, I know what. A lot of people talked about this, um, something that Andy McPhail pointed out. The second half of last year, the Phillies had the fourth-best bullpen ERA in all of baseball. Think about who they were putting out there, right? Damn. And, you know, a lot of things that we hear about Joe Girardi is that he's very good with the bullpen. So maybe he can figure something out. Yeah, I have to imagine. I feel like if Joe Girardi said, get me another pitcher – like so, let, let's look at the starters for example. Ivan Nova was available. He he got he's getting nothing like one and a half million for the year. Girardi's had Nova for how many years? There's there's got to be a reason why he said no. Plain and simple. Yeah, and we also yeah. um, Rich Hill and Homer Bailey got cheap deals to the Twins. I wanted Rich Hill. Yeah, but I think so the issue badly. is he's not coming back until, what is it, late May, early June, I think. That's fine. That's fine. It gives you enough time to test out your – because I'm not completely sold on Eflin, but that gives you time to test out, like, you know, guys like Velasquez, Pavetta, and then you have Rich Hill there. Worst case, Rich Hill comes out of pen. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the reason you're not sold on Eflin? I – I think he's wildly inconsistent. He, at times, he is one of the best pitchers. I don't want to say one of the best pitchers on this team because he's one of the better pitchers, honestly, in the National League when he's at his top. But that's a I that's a true statement. Stretch. He is, and he, he yeah for for like a, a good two or I would say two two and a half months last year, like he had a, a bid to make the All Star team. He really did. It's just when he crashes, he burns. You know, it's. There is, there is no middle ground with Eflin. Granted, he had a 4.13 RA. That is a 
dang fine ERA for a sports pitcher. Maybe not dang fine, but that is a very reasonable ERA for a four pitcher. So if I told you Zach Eflin's ERA this year again was going to be around 4.1, would you sign up for that? I don't. If he was our five starter, 100%, but he needs to show consistency. That That's my main problem. I mean, he hasn't had a year of his career under four yet, and I know. And when we got Eflin, he was supposed to have a much larger upside. So, honestly, no, I wouldn't be excited because this he, he should be – I think he was touted as being a potential two-pitcher when he was when he was getting brought up. Yeah. So here's something maybe we're we're forgetting about as as a guy who could slot himself into that number five, Spencer Howard. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And I, I'm I'm completely content with it. It's just history has shown that it's we, not easy for a rookie to come in and just, you know, shut shut the door on on major league ball clubs, I guess, right? Is what you I saying? mean with I, unless you're Vance Worley, <laughs> unless you're Vance, yeah, he did he did come in and actually do well, but but most of the time it's not like outside of you know your top guy like a Strasburg. I wouldn't say, you know most most yeah, of the guys aren't coming not, in and, and throwing seven scoreless every outing. That's what I'm saying. So that's why I mean it's just that's why you need you and this isn't a want. This is a need. You need Eflin to step up this year because. I don't think Spencer Howard is going to be fully ready when he gets here, and I'm not convinced that Pavetta can shake off whatever he's got going on with him. So here's two things that, that I, a point that I want to make. I think a lot of us are forgetting that we have a new pitching coach as well. So we also don't know how he's going, Brian Price being that uh, new pitching coach. We also don't know how, you know, how he's going to work with these new guys because it seemed like at times maybe Chris Young didn't get the best out of some of our pitchers. So no, definitely not. It's possible Brian Price hope not. can figure out Nick Pavetta. He can figure out Zach Eflin and you know get them to be the best versions of themselves and and find a way to essentially just have them get outs uh, for a guy like Pavetta. Maybe maybe not as much of a high strikeout guy, and you know maybe he should pitch to contact more. That you know obviously Brian Price is going to try and figure this out. But my second point is. Jake Arrieta is going into a contract here, essentially. We're probably not going to keep him. Could you imagine, like, if he, he he's that type of guy with that personality that he'll come out and he'll, he'll work his ass off and have a hell of a year? And that could be awesome. I mean, that would be awesome. It's just I, – I Think about it, though. He's, there's he's, a difference that's, between that's, not that's working Arietta. and being, and being injury-prone, though. I think – his best days are behind him. Now, granted, I don't think he can get much worse than he's been. Like, we know that he has the stuff. We know that he is a very headstrong pitcher. So, if you, he, so what would you yeah. sign up for Arietta? What do, I need, uh, I need under a 3 6 from the Arietta. I don't think that's too much to ask. You know, I'm going to say under a 3 5. And what, around like 10 wins? Like 10 to 12 wins? Uh, I'd say fourteen. I'd like saying twelve four- to fourteen. Wow, twelve to fourteen. What do you think so? So that's essentially like saying Nola is around like twenty. Yeah, I guess Wheeler is like eighteen, and then you're saying Arietta fourteen. 
Yeah, I was thinking Wheeler 17, 17, 18. Nola needs to get up to like a nine, like a nineteen twenty. I'll say eighteen to twenty actually. Eighteen to twenty for for Nola. Um, I'll, I'm gonna get say sixteen to eighteen for Wheeler, and I'm gonna say twelve. I'm gonna say thirteen to fifteen for Arietta. Okay, and then I guess he would say Eflin around ten. Uh, Eflin around. 12 to 14. Okay. Is what I, I'm hoping for, but realistically, probably I'll say 11 to 13. That's a good staff right there. I mean, if you're getting that, that's a lot of wins. You're putting it. It's, it's a lot of wins. This is what I, this is what like, but the issue is the Phillies staff has day in and day out. This is what they should be at. Like to say that area, anything below 13 wins is acceptable for Arietta. Is is out of is you're out of your mind mm-hmm. for like what we got for the reason why we got him for what Eflin has shown us. It is again. This is what's acceptable. This isn't why things going to happen. This is what would be minimally acceptable as far as like living up to thirty million dollars a year. You mean? Yeah, or um, to your potential. That's why I'm saying you need to be at twice say twelve or eleven to thirteen for Eflin. If Eflin. Gets below eleven wins, and that's bad, in my opinion. Okay. All right. So let's. If, uh, yeah. All right. So transition to the offense. What's your opening day lineup? All right. Let's. Um. So I'm just gonna just say it now. Assuming, I guess, assuming McCutcheon is is healthy and ready to go. Yeah, Hazley's gonna be my center fielder. He's leading so, off. No, 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 no. I'm just saying he's my center Got it. fielder. Okay. Just, just in case anybody had any controversy there, I solved it. So, uh, so Matt, what, how would you feel if I said Hoskins batting first again? <laughs> no, I mean if McCutcheon's healthy, he's definitely leading off. Oh yeah, no, I know. It's just remember Hoskins batted first and how horribly that went. Okay, but it was for like three games. <laughs> it was not. It was for longer than that. All right, so I want McCutcheon first. And let me see. McCutcheon first. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Kangaroo second. Wow. Uh, okay. I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe. Uh, you know what? Actually, no. I'm gonna take that back. Sorry. McCutcheon first. Real Muto second. Uh, Harper third. Hoskins fourth. Didi fifth. Kingery six, Segura seven, and Hazley eight. Okay, so we're I'm I'm a little bit different from you, and but but I do like your lineup because McCutcheon's going to get on base a lot, and I think you need someone in that second slot who hits a lot of doubles, and JT had a lot of doubles last year. He's also not slow. He is not. Yeah, he was not going to clog up the base pass like he, you know someone um, hitting second could. So I would probably – this is me. I think I would go McCutcheon. And I Segura last year when he hit two did very well, and he did also have a career high in doubles. So I would actually put Segura second, and then I would go Harper third, Hoskins fourth, Rio Muto five, DD six, Kingery seven, and Hazley, you know, take uh, whoever's going to be playing center. I you know, Hazley, uh, Roman Quinn – 
uh, Mickey Moniac. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a, you know I'm really hoping to see something like I don't expect Mickey Moniac to come anywhere close to making the roster, but I'd like to see him turn some heads in some uh, minor league games. This year. I'm excited to see him yeah. start in, in spring, spring, spring training. training. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Him and Spencer Howard, like there's gonna be two guys you're gonna want to watch and see how they do all spring. Yeah, I feel like watching Moniac is gonna be like watching Fultz when he came back. So I real, I, I, not that, not in a bad way. I'm saying like how impactful right. for the fans, how much they're gonna, they're gonna hope that everything works right. out. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I think people are excited about Hazley too. You know, he's taking another step forward. Yeah, I mean, granted, he was kind of just thrown in the fire at a tough time. So Literally the worst time ex- of the season when McCutcheon went down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, which I mean was early, but I don't know. Like, he – batting 266 as a rookie, especially when you've seen the averages that the Phillies have had in the last few years in a hitter's ballpark, 720 OPS – I don't know why. I feel like some people have told me that he had a – were trying to tell me that he had a down year, which to say that a rookie is having a, like a down year is a very questionable like thing Like someone to around say. the Mendoza line, I would say, is like a down year for a rookie, yeah. right? Especially yeah, someone who was drafted 60 in, in the first round. Yeah, and then you add 60 points to it. Yeah, I think Hazley he, Hazley's definitely going to take a step forward this year. I just think he, he – Take away his first few games and the ones from injury, like mm-hmm. he hit around like three hundred. Like he was a very consistent hitter, and I think that's just what he is. He, I don't think he's gonna. He's not someone we expect to hit thirty home runs. Like he's probably gonna be somewhere around twenty home runs, but I think he'll hover around like two ninety to three hundred. I he just seems like he has a consistent swing, um, and he'll get on base. You know, driving them all the other way. So that's why like, him hitting eighth in our lineup, like, that's a good lineup if Adam Hayes is your eight hitter. Dare I say, best eight hitter in baseball? Do we do this? Unfortunately, he's on, again? he's on the Kansas City Royals, the best eight hitter uh, in baseball. <laughs> are we going to ride the train with the new best eight hitter in baseball? <laughs> or is that going to be Nick Martini? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know nothing about this guy. Who is Nick Martini? So he was on the A's, and then I believe he went to – he was traded to the Padres, and I think the Padres then also cut him, and then he went to the Reds. They cut him, and now he's with us. Why am I seeing it? Why am I noticing a pattern here? <laughs> so, you know, if you look at a picture of Nick Martini – He's got Bryce Harper. Like, he might have a beard better than Bryce Harper. You're getting into tough territory with that one. Oh, God, no. T- take, a, take a look. Google I'm looking at it. He does not have a better beard than Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has the beard of uh, his speakeasy barbershop. Oh, uh, that's true. You know what? No. I'm, I don't, I'm not, we're not doing another Phillies top five again. Top five best beards. Top five beards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I mean, if you're talking best beard on the team, it's probably Arietta. Arietta. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a no doubter. Arietta, Martini, and uh, Harper round out your top three, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least for uh, Sir Anthony has a decent beard. That's true. It's, it's a different kind of beard, though. It's not that full, like, 
Like Brian Wilson oh, no. fight. Yeah, that Brian really that that's a weird dude right there. That guy's a weird freaking dude. <laughs> uh of course we do not like him because of the way he closed out the games against us in two thousand and ten. I mean, among other reasons. I mean he's kind of an asshole. He was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, are you are you satisfied? Yes. Yeah, I am. Here's a good sign is that Josh Donaldson's no longer in the NL East. So I was surprised by that. Could you argue that the Phillies have made the most significant moves to improve their team in all of the NL East? This offseason? This offseason. Oh, geez. You're, you're getting me in some rough territory. I don't even think we did. We literally made two moves. Yeah, but are they the most significant? Like, think about it. Like, the Braves lost Donaldson. The Nationals did retain Strasburg. But they lost Rendon. But they also gained someone else, no? Did they? Um, let me see. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, you say they got Strasburg back. Oh, well, yeah, no. Let's someone in the hall. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me take a look at, look at this, John, here. Real quick. Um, you know what? Yeah, their third base was Drupal Cabrera. That's trash. Right. Huh. Let's see. Uh, they got Sanchez as their fourth starter. So, so far, not very much. So, let me uh, let me take a quick peek at these Braves now. Cause I, did the Mets get anyone? Mets got Batances. Batances. Uh, so, the Nats signed uh, – they got oh, Will, uh, Will Harris. Cole Hamels. Yeah, Cole Hamels, though. Oh, right, Cole Hamels. Okay, so, so here's the here's – the, um, the Nationals. They have. Are we doing it? They got Strasburg, yeah. uh, uh, Will Harris, Starlin Castro, Daniel Hudson, Jan Gomes, Howie Kendrick, Eric Thames, and, and Azubo Cabrera. I think, like, if you take their top two, it's probably Strasburg and Will Harris. I don't think they make much as an impact that this year that Wheeler and Didi are going to make. I mean, well, well Hudson, too, they sign. Sure, but. It's just the combination. You see, it's again, it's. Volume is volume for is a big deal too because you can't say by just one player because think about it, if you could either spend twenty million on one player or ten million on two players, I, I, it really well then, really then you could by, argue that the Angels could have gotten like like three guys for what they paid for Rendon. You bet you bet your ass they could. <laughs> they're probably better. Yeah. They're better, and they're probably a better team because their their rotation's pretty bad. Like they probably could have gotten Keuchel, Donaldson. And like another outfield. Donaldson got no. Did you see how much Don, money Donaldson got? He got twenty three million, but they, that that's that's something a that, year for four years. I know, but they they could definitely afford him with compared. Rendon is like close to thirty. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying though. So it's either you get Donaldson plus someone for six, which I don't think really gives you much room to work with. I mean, you got Otani, you got Heaney, you got Taron, you got oh god Bundy. Oh God, he's your. He's not even your five. Oh, that's bad. So are you talking about who Atlanta got? No, no, uh, Angels. Okay. So I was just like, yeah, they. God, I have never seen more of a duct tape team than the. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, they, if they save money instead of going after Rendon, they could have had, they could have had Keuchel. They probably maybe like Gio Gonzalez. They could have fi- found a way to round out their rotation more, and also got you know go after some other guys. Yeah, they're 
I just think they're such a lost cause. I I don't think there was any reason they should have gone after Altani. Any reason they should have, I think they should have tried to trade Trout, and I know that would be to the dismay of their fans, but you have to do something. You're just clearly duct taping. Yeah, roster. but now, see the thing you is, do have with, with Trout, they have he has a more favorable trade value than he did in before. Because there's a long term deal. Exactly. Though, so right. They they, they know it's not like high. it's a rental. They know that you know the team's going to have him for ten years, assuming he you know they're they're going they're going to trade him in two years. Yes, the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anytime oh, you talk about a rumor, he's going. He's going back home. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I. You know what. I'm not going to be surprised if we don't make the playoffs because the NL East is very good. The Mets had a strong end of the year. Uh, the Marlins suck. Uh, Nationals won the World Series. And then the Braves looked, all season looked the best of the team. So Yeah, but they lost their cleanup hitter. They, they lost their cleanup hitter, but they're still, again, a great team. I'm just saying. No, yeah, right. There's, we I, very I, they still well, one of the best players in baseball. Top five, maybe, in Akuda. I honestly think there is a chance that we uh, are the fourth best team in the NL East and still have 80, 85, 86, 85 That's wins. definitely possible. That's definitely possible. That's what's, And that's the sad part because in some years, that 85, 85 to 86 range will get you in the wild card. It'll put us – It could, and that would still, in my opinion, put us fourth in the NL East. So the hope is that Girardi can bump us from that 80 – from what I think we'd be like an 85 – to a 91. Who do you think is the X factor for us? As in who matters the most? On our Ross, yeah, uh, offensively wise. Who's the X factor? Like this year depends on how this guy does. I have a name in mind. I just want to see if it's the same as yours. It's uh, My heart is pounding very hard. Uh, Reese Hoskins. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because you know Harper is going to show up. You know, you know what you're going to get out of JT. You know what you're going to get. You know, you got your floor with with Segura. You're right. We did, and you 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 know McCutcheon's just going to consistently get on base. Yeah. You know, Didi's probably going to give you a you know close to a Gold Glove year. He's healthy again. Probably hit 270 with maybe 25 home runs. You, you yeah. Hoskins is really the biggest question mark going into this year. That's true. That's true. All right, let's move on to the Flyers. <laughs> do we so, dare say? <laughs> do we? No, you dare not say it. <laughs> so the Flyers right now fifth in the Metropolitan, struggling a little bit lately. Um, some news on them: Travis Konechny was named the only team's All Star, but I think Giroux was also in like the last man vote. So get out there and vote for Giroux so he can get in as well. Um, and then in the past couple of weeks, we've had a, some injuries. Uh, Shane Gossis Bear is now out with knee surgery. Uh, most recently, Carter Hart is out with an abdominal strain. Uh, he's out for two to three weeks. So hopefully Moose can step it up. Um, thankfully, we do have like a, a good backup. And then they brought up Alex Lyon to be the backup to Moose. And then uh, news out of uh, one of our first-round draft picks from a few years ago, uh, GM Chuck Fletcher said that, he believes that Nolan Patrick will play this season. So that could almost That's be like, good. like one of those uh, 
like an addition that you get almost like it's like a trade essentially, but like you just get healthier. Like that's yeah. what this is going to come down to with this team. Like kind of like what happened with, we hope we are sorry. I should have said we would hope what happened with the Phillies when like Hunter and Nishak and them came back, but it didn't. But I think that's just going to how be the additions are. Cause I don't think they have much cap space to go on and trade for anyone. No. All right. Moving on to college. So LSU defeated Clemson to finish off their season at 15-0 as national champions. And uh perhaps one of the best to... the best teams in uh in college football history. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um they were unstoppable. Also... Unstoppable. Yeah, and unfortunately, yeah, it's they looked so good. Burrow is going to be a unit in the NFL. He is. Yeah. I mean that whole team, also, that whole roster just was filled with guys who were who are gonna be in the NFL. Yeah. And you know, it's it's also so crazy too. I mean the the path that LSU took from being just considered just a terrible team with less miles and that get canning him and just not recovering very quickly. Odron, he was they were saying that was it was a terrible pickup for a coach. And you know what? That's that's why I love this. It was good to see not one of the standard teams always in the college playoff get in and win. I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. So, also at college football, former Penn State Isaiah Humphreys has filed for a federal lawsuit for hazing against a number of Penn State players and uh, Coach James Franklin for uh, letting it happen. Uh, so, from what, from what I have heard on this and read is that so, so far – and uh, investigations, the university and the DA uh, and the police the football team have, themselves, right? Yeah, ha- has come back with, with no results, but further investigation needs to occur before anything inclusive. I'm not touching this one with a 10-foot Neither am I. Neither am I. I am not. So it, it's, it's you, you, you hope that something like this isn't true, but if it is, get there better be changes. Maybe. I mean, if it is like you're, you're the Penn state grad. Yeah. Is, do you need Franklin out? Yeah. I mean, honestly, yes, it's, it's just, I don't want to say this whole, this day and age thing, because if something like that is true, it's, I, I don't care what time frame this is. That's just unacceptable. So if this happened at a different university, do you think that it's as, as big of a deal? Um, I, I, not necessarily. Now, granted, it should be considered a big deal, but I from there's scan. There's always scandals you see in Division Two, II, Division Three that fly under the radar mm-hmm. or lower level Division Ones. Um, granted, I think if you take an equivalent Big Ten school, yes, this is as big of a deal. It's I I don't think this would be one of those situations where quote unquote the NCAA is out to get Penn State, right. Um, but you know, again, not don't really want to put too much into that one. Uh, as far as college basketball goes, after a tough loss at Marquette, Villanova has bounced back to win their last three, including a road win against or at ranked Creighton. So uh, that's always a positive, positive start right there. Uh, and you know, Villanova, you want to talk about fun teams to watch? <laughs> They are. They their defense is very good. They're going to be a team to watch in the tournament that I like. 
I, I never like to pick Nova in the tournament, but you know what? That I, I might I might like to no, pick I, them too. Actually, it's it's all it's not. I don't think it's one of those years where everyone's like, oh, it's, you know, obviously second round exit with them. I think they're too good to to have that happen. Um, you I know, mean, especially I, they, now. I mean, Nova the early two thousands definitely yes, but Jay Wright's just might could bland himself as one of the best college coaches in, in NCAA history. I mean, he won the coach of the decade. Yeah, he did. He did just win that. They won That's the, true. And Villanova won the program of the decade, I believe, too, right? Really? I I, I didn't. I, I can tell you, I'm not big on award shows. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. I, I, I know Jay Wright won. I also think, I think Villanova also got that, too. So props to them. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on now. Let's get to uh, my favorite segment, the Philly uh, foodie rank. So uh, just to to explain the rules, each week I will pick one or two uh, local food staples to add to the rankings. A Philly stable can be located anywhere within the Philly area. And for this time, for the first time, we are breaking out into the burbs, baby. Uh, So... To be a little more clear, I base it on the taste of the food with just a touch of the atmosphere. If the atmosphere is shit, it's gonna it's it's like a tiebreaker. It's gonna suffer a little bit, but not too much. And fancy sit down restaurants such as those uh, that are available during Philly Center City Restaurant Week are excluded from this list. All right, so I got two as I said for you. The first one, I actually did both of these on the same day. Not exactly my healthiest decision, <laughs> but not my worst decision. Is Jaime's Deli, and that is in, I want to say, Marion Station. I think Jaime's Deli is in Marion Station. It's got a 4.6 star rating on Google. It was uh, a nice Saturday, a nice Sabbath. It was right after the birds won. I, I was feeling, I, I wasn't feeling religious, but I was feeling, you know what? I'll pay some tribute, so let's go to the, let's go to the Jewish deli. Got myself a hot pastrami sandwich. I walk in, and I was one of the youngest people in there, by or no no the youngest person in there by at least twenty years, at least. Which also, coincidentally enough, looks like about the the same amount of time frame that they've made since they've made any cosmetic changes, like twenty years. Very fair. <laughs> overall yeah you, you've been you said yeah uh it's, it's but overall it's a nice jewish delicatessen you want to hear you want to hear what Shmuel's up to what he what he's doing you want to hear what chaim's been doing that that's where you go you go to Jaime's. <laughs> <laughs> all right my next one is the ye old alehouse now this is up in my neck of the woods this is now ye old alehouse is a 4.6 rating on google reviews as well and so it is a in uh, Lafayette Hill it is a dive bar and a half. Oh my god! Like Matt, when you were like when you, like when you were in the dorms, like you know how like there's like the study room with like those tables that just look like they just are old and shitty. Yes, that's what we were eating off of in this place. There's like these tables that look like the kind of tables you see at a library with pencil written all over them, <laughs> and. And like it, it was weird. I don't think there's any smoking in there, but it still smells smoky, which just didn't really make much sense to me. Um, I I don't know if that's just me. Uh, before I get into may, the may, whole food, maybe they're maybe they're uh, 
they're pushing that. They want it to smell like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's 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 part of you know the the feng shui or something. Uh, the so one thing I will say is a gripe is when you go to a dive bar, and you or and they have like some some microbrews on tap. You know what you you're thinking that you know yeah you're probably gonna get a good deal on the beer right? It was like seven six seven dollars a beer for like a microbrew. I was like, damn. Man, what are you at Center City Sips? I know, right? So, anyways, once you look at the food, though, the food might be, and this is what kind of gets, like, I shouldn't give too much crap for it. The food is dirt cheap. Like, you can get fries for, like, a couple bucks, um, you know, a little, like, mini appetizer for, like, you can get sandwiches for, like, six or seven dollars. Like, it's, it's, it's a solid Wait, so, so the sandwiches are as much as a beer? Yeah, it's it's nuts, right? Yeah, yes. It's like I think the sandwich was like eight bucks, like eight or nine, maybe like nine if you got extra crap on it, which I, I didn't really need it. Yeah. So I ordered those there. There, and this is what's crazy. I wasn't originally gonna put them as part of this review, but then I learned they have a famous roast beef sandwich. And when I say famous, I've they they never put any signs up saying known for our roast beef or anywhere. You go on the reviews. Every single person person mentions a sandwich. And all I know about this was that it was one of the most, it was a uh, delicacy that, uh, that, uh, that sandwich. Uh, but I will say, I didn't really talk too much about Jaime's sandwich. Jaime's sandwich is also one of the best, one of the better sandwiches I've had in the area. I got, it had a hot pastrami and it was like, had that nice uh, gravy on it too. Uh, had that nice gravy on it that stayed hot, like through a car ride. So I just, that's why I just want to say to be compared to compare the two. I still think Jaime's sandwich was well better, but I'm also not the biggest roast beef guy, but the roast beef was, you know, it was, Literally just a sandwich and nothing else to it. So, with all this being said between these two places, here's my order. You ready? Mm-hmm. Pastrami and things. Tacanelli's. Bakery on 20th Street. I'm going to go Jaime's over Gino's. I originally was going to put Gino's over Jaime's, but you know what? I think... Jaime's is such a staple, and you know what? Gino's has, in my opinion, sold out. They they don't have the attitude anymore. The sandwiches have gotten worse. So then I put after Gino's, the Ye Old Ale House, then Insomnia Cookies, and lastly Fitzwater Street Bagels. Still, that a, still a heck of a deal. list. Heck of a list, and it's only going to get bigger. I got. Um, have you gained weight since you've been doing this? You know, I really don't know. I don't really believe in scales. <laughs> <laughs> I all I know is I've already I've also tried a bunch of places as well in, in, during the time off. Uh, you know, I go to the city like almost every weekend. So, uh, still a lot of places it, to go to. Right? There's some good places to come, and I have a feeling there's going to be some some uh, there's going to be some things close to the top of the list coming soon. Let's see. So for local stuff going on, as I did, as I had mentioned, it is currently Center City Restaurant Week. It is back. It started on the 12th and it ends Friday, January 24th. That is 
for for participating venues. And we have some nice restaurants too. You got yes. Yeah, so is there know, something eight... you recommend? Because I actually may try this. Um. So I'm trying to think. So I went to uh for six months. I went to Alma de Cuba for it, and it was that was a very good experience. I haven't been to too many fancy sit downs that are on this list. Let me uh. I mean, I guess you could so- argue the steakhouses, right? Like ones that are super expensive that maybe you wouldn't go to, but now you you can for a restaurant. Yeah, week. for sure. So yeah, it's thirty five a plate for it's thirty five, and you get like a three course meal for dinner or for lunch. It's only twenty. So yeah, you bet I'm going for lunch. Let me tell you, Del Frisco. Uh, no, where, where am I going? Uh, this is this is actually bothering me right now. Uh, it's a nice Italian joint. Oh, you already uh, have you already uh, have a uh, reservation? Yeah, I do. I actually got a call to make sure that they st- that they are uh, that they're they're doing the lunch menu. Uh, it's called Grand Cafe Lakia. Aquila. Okay. That's on uh, it's on Chestnut Street. But uh, another one that I've heard that so I've also been to another place, not for restaurant week, Dandelion. That is a British restaurant. In my opinion, it's a great restaurant. In my opinion, I think British food is just terrible for you. I like I mean I've been to London and I I felt but like once I got back, I just felt very sick from all the food. Like it's just like just I was because it's it. so fatty, or it's so fatty. You know the pork, the you know right. the bangers and mash, uh, the like the like kid like I so I was eating kidney. I like kidney. It, it was good, but it's just again very fatty. Mm. A lot of pork product, as I said. It's probably tough to digest. Ga- gammon, yeah. It's oh for me especially. I, I'm a little bitch with all that too. So. <laughs> No filter on today's show, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. And, uh, the next one. So, Penn's Landing Blue Cross River Inc. Uh, they have their Winterfest Brewfest on Saturday from 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. So, a variety of breweries will be giving out free samples all day. It is free to attend, free beer. I will most likely be there solely for that purpose. And They let people drink and ice skate at the same time. Don't don't drink and skate, baby. Don't, <laughs> drink, and, don't drink and Zam- don't drink and Zamboni, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Let's so see. I'm gonna take us into the uh Sixers and Flyers. Sixers are playing the Bulls Friday at home, and then they are playing the Knicks um also on a back to back, and then they have the MLK day game versus the Nets. That's gonna be in Brooklyn, which is typically in Philly, but now we're in Brooklyn. And then the Flyers are playing tonight against St. Louis. Uh, back-to-back against the Canadians at home tomorrow. The Kings on Saturday is also at home, and then we have the Penguins at home as well. Um, and as we speak, the Flyers are actually headed to overtime. No surprise right now with St. Louis. Um, also, we said it before, 27 days, so pitchers and catchers report. So I'll be here before we know it. Villanova's playing at home this upcoming week against UConn, and big game against number five, Butler. Maybe we'll get a... Butler is number five since when? They're good this year. They're, they're good, but yeah, they're good. Where did that come from? Uh, Brad Stevens. Yeah, <laughs> Gordon Hayward and Brad Stevens are uh, are, are uh, running Butler this year. They're a pretty good team. So <laughs> that rounds up the the uh, schedule for the Philly sports this week. Unfortunately, no Eagles. I'm crying. Yes. So uh, my picks of the week. Here we go. I'm going to take the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game minus seven. I'm also going to stick with the favorites. I'm going to stick with the 49ers 
minus seven and a half. And then I'm going to get you some over-unders on those games. I'm going to take the over in the Chiefs-Titans game, the under on the Packers-49ers game. And then since there's usually I do like five games, there's really no other game that I would do. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a player prop. Haven't done one yet. I'm going to say over 75 and a half receiving yards for Tyree Kill. Now, audience, before we uh, get any further, I just want to let you know that as of last, last week, Matt was 2-4-5 last week, bringing his overall record to 7-8. and eight. I was 2-3 two and three again? 2-3 two, two and three again. Just, oh I know it doesn't count for this, but uh, I did place in my college football wager pool. So, all right, good, good for you. No, I didn't put it. I didn't put any of them in uh, in here, but maybe I should have. I would have had a good record. <laughs> I think I went like I think there were I forget exactly how many bowl games. Uh, oh, there were thirty of them, and I think I was like twenty three and seven. So, hey, for what it's worth, uh, I should have put them all in here because it would have had a good record, but. Nonetheless, I am seven and eight. So hopefully, uh, you guys are not listening to me. <laughs> and if you, uh, hopefully, this week you're listening to him and and, and he wins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's my that's my picks of the week. Um, Alex, yeah, take us away. All right. Well, just want to thank everybody. Uh, so if you want to listen to more of our podcast. God follow us uh, at WizWith. That is at W H I Z underscore W H I F F. That is on. We are on Twitter. Follow us, Matt. Everyone, we appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. Have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. Go Flyers and go Sixers. <laughs>